Welcome everyone to the social van Feeling Kyle sick of the bullshit So here they are, Reference C Plus Ready to turn every podcast to dust So sit down and shut the fuck up Cause when and now, fuck your couch Welcome everybody to the social van Yeah Oh, Boba? She's like, <laughs> wait a minute, that's Boba Fett Yeah, mom, that's Boba Fett She goes, <laughs> I thought no, he escaped. King Boba, did you like that? Um, was it uh, that meme? Yo, uh, Alexa, Alexa, play. <laughs> it feels good to be a gangster. Hell yeah, homegirl and, and Ming Na Wen, she's sitting on the chair. She oh, look, drink it. The, the way she you. people said, I want a woman that will look at me just the way she looks at. Boba and that 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 whole you know what I mean? Oh yeah, she looked at Boba like motherfucker. I'm, I'll show you a bounty hunter or two. You know what I'm saying? Give you a good bounty boy. <laughs> <laughs> what up, y'all? Can't be the section eight. Big daddy coming at you. What's happening? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the um, the Christmas special. Don't be a dick. Let's help Saint Nick. Christmas special, the social event, it's here. We got guests. We really are naming it. <laughs> yes, because I wanted my the charity to do that, but you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> um, we're going to introduce uh, the show real quick and get business out of the way. Shutter.com. I got to do this because someone's like, your, your code's not working. I was like, what do you mean the code's not working? The code is C-P-L-U-S, correct? Yes, C-P-L-U-S. So you go to... When you log in, it's shutter.com forward slash podcast. It'll take you to the next separate page, and then you enter the promo code. Okay, this that wasn't the problem. This is the problem. So I was like, all right, send me it over. I will test the code okay, myself. Okay, let's, let's do this. They sent me S-H-U-T-T-E-R dot com. Even though the graphic's going to be on right now, it's S-H-U-D-D-E-R, Shudder. Shudder. Like Shudder, like, like Shudder, people. Shudder. D. Not like Shudder, like you, like a Shudder. Shudder. And guess who was to blame for this? Penta. Motherfucker. Penta's the one, he's like, it's not working. Because I looked at it, I was like, Got me all in the huff and puff. Goddamn, Penta. <laughs> Shit. So, if you want that 30 free days and not do Shutter like Pinto does, you're going to do Shutter. S H U D D E R dot com. Use special promo code C plus C P L U S. Damn it, Penta. <sighs> now go get your 30 free days. And before we get in our first segment, it's Flix's top five. Christmas movies. We got a package. We got a package. Um. <laughs> and guess what? There's something in here for you. Yeah. I'm surprised. Ah, from Here's the you. Eli family. Okay. Big Daddy. Damn, that's heavy. KMB, the sexy ninja. Look at that. It actually says Big Daddy. He Look. says he never gets anything. I never get anything. You 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 get all the stuff that you people send you stuff and you keep it all. You don't ever share. That is true. Yeah, I know. Are you ready? I haven't looked at these yet. One selfish motherfucker. Well, huh? I haven't he looked is. at it yet. No, I'm talking about. Oh, what else. the fuck, man! I 
not trying to sell you. I haven't looked at it yet. Ooh. Merry Christmas. Oh, that is a beautiful Christmas card. Beautiful Christmas card. All right. Sending you Christmas cheer that lasts throughout the year. Happy holidays to Eli family. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Happy holidays. Out. Check this out, yo. Check out this badass. Dude. Oh, look at that. Yakima. Juggalo. Juggalo. Look that at is, that. He that got cool? stickers. We don't have stickers anymore. But Shit. no, look at that. Show some love. Go to his channel. I have the link in the description below. He has some badass unpackaging. He does. He gets a lot of stuff. Oh, look at this. Bro, thank you very much. You oh, know, do, do you realize that you were the first wolf? That is the shit. You and your family are awesome. Oh, my God. This this is the first gift that <laughs> that that I've received that he hasn't kept. <laughs> I was going to keep it, too. <laughs> you are a stingy motherfucker. You know that you are. You're a mean one, Mr. KMB. <laughs> but no, thank you so much. And you're going to go check out his YouTube channel. And you're going to like and subscribe because he unboxes a lot of good shit. And he's always tagging us on Twitter. And he asked for our addresses. And thank you so much. Thank this, you, yes. This thank means you very a lot. Much. This is cool. This is hella cool. Um, this, this is going on the wall. Trust us. Now that we have your address. Some C Plus Studio stickers might come your way once we get some. Once we get some, we'll be all right. You know, I'm going to keep this package too, or unless you want to keep the package so you can frame it. No. No, I'm going to frame it because we get so much cool shit. Well, I get so much cool shit and I don't share. It's like that body in the back right now. <laughs> trying to change it up. Trying to, <laughs> trying to, try to yeah, he's, he's, try, he's trying to change it up, folks. He's trying to, yeah, I do keep everything. Oh, I got the shirts and everything. And, everything. <laughs> and of course, you know, Big Daddy don't get shit because, you know, I do everything because I'm oh, a motherfucker. <laughs> Just the way things go. So, <laughs> I hope you all enjoy the Christmas special. There's, there's Fuck th you! I just want to say that! <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck! God damn it! <laughs> um, like I said, lots of good shit. Next up is Flix's top five Christmas movies. And we have a couple interviews on here and some music. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you listen. I hope you let it just fuck your ear holes. Just mm mm mm. Uh. And we thank you so much for the cards again. This is great. Wait, Steve. Hey, wait. I just thought about it. Steven, where's our Christmas cards? He sends us all other stuff for fucking, you know, for the year. Does he send us Christmas cards? Shit. As, as much as shit Stephen sends us, hell, we ought, we ought to send his ass something. No, nah, I'm going to send him something. I'll send you something back, Steve. Onlyfans.com promo codes. Oh, yeah. Hell, no. <laughs> okay, folks, he said that last time. He were, we're on goddamn Facebook. I seen his post on goddamn Facebook. Oh, the, 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 the video and where I was like, all of a sudden, Julie, I mean, he has women left or right. Oh, my God. I We can exchange. Next year, I know, I right? Like, I saw the boom, 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 boom. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell are you doing? So what I did, I put that on TikTok and they took it down because they're like, oh, because I put OnlyFans in the hashtag and they're like, no, he gets our community. So I took the OnlyFans hashtag on, then they let the video go up. Bro, as soon as it hit Instagram, our fucking messages were like, Boom! You want to join saw, my OnlyFans? I saw. Boom! You want to join my OnlyFans? Boom! You want to join my Hey, sexy stud! We should exchange OnlyFans. Boy, no, I was just like, oh, I, especially that old, that old grandma. I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> OnlyFans. It's only five bucks a month for her, so you know. 
We'll leave it there. <laughs> but <laughs> also, <laughs> you better be last Christmas. Um, you better be fucking glad. I hope you're enjoying the social event show. Christmas the social event show episode one dropped. We received a lot of good things. Yes, we did. Thank you. Thank you for it. Uh, music in there is by Intrinsic and McNasty. And I rate featuring Intrinsic and uh, Lee Carver for uh, the song Burn. Um, Live Street the Revolution was Intrinsic and McNasty. Thank you for letting us have those tracks. Episode 2 will drop Monday. Then the last two episodes every other Monday. Well, yes. every Monday. Every so, Monday. So thank you for enjoying the show. This is season 1. We've been working very hard on it. I'm glad you guys like it. I'm glad you, we, there was a good response. Uh, well, I thought I, I saw should, a ghost. I, honestly, I, I, yeah, he thought he saw a ghost. It wasn't the ghost. It was fucking kids. Hey, everyone. This is Flix. Just wanted to be in the season. So a lot of the times across this season, we have a lot of family members that give their unwanted opinion and... Since C Plus Studios is a family, I figure I'd give mine with my top five Christmas movies. So, understanding this is completely subjective, but at the same time, if you don't agree, you're wrong. With that, my number five favorite Christmas movie is The Grinch from 2000, starring Jim Carrey. So, this one has a bit of a weird, like, contrasting sort of some people you know really like it some people really hate it you know I I think Jim Carrey in that movie is one of the most relatable characters to the modern day where you know society just hates him for no reason it seems and he hates them back and it's very understandable how how he lives his life too how he wants to be secluded from everyone else because if they're gonna hate him he just doesn't want to deal with it and you know, it's such a quotable movie and so much fun. And I will definitely, definitely say a lot more bearable to look at and to listen than the other live-action Dr. Seuss movie that came out around that time, starring a certain international man of mystery. Um, I, you know, I just, I truly enjoy it. And the... The song for it, the Where Are You Christmas, that's a, it's a pretty good song for, um, you know, for understanding kind of what the holiday is about, you know, people think that Christmas, especially when the time that came out in my life, because I was, I was a young adult at that point in time, and Christmas became not as much about stuff to me. You know, it was. it's always nice to receive presents and gifts and, you know, get the feeling of adoration from other people. But it's not about what you get. It's about who you're with, who you care about. And gifts are just supposed to be an extension of that. It's quintessentially what I get out of that movie. And it's really nice and really deep. Number four. Die Hard. Now, there will probably be some arguments as to whether or not this is a Christmas movie, but I stand by if 
the setting takes place at Christmas, then we're going to, if, that's probably why we're declaring it a Christmas movie. Now you look at something like Home Alone, where Christmas has nothing to do with this. It could have been a summer vacation, and the family accidentally left in there for a few weeks, but the, you know, the weather plays into it a little bit, but nothing about it being directly Christmas. They're not there to steal their presents. They're not there to, you know, learn a lesson about Christmas. It's just people trying to rob a house and Macaulay Culkin going psychopath. So Die Hard, where it's people robbing a Christmas party and it's Bruce Willis going, you know, well, I'd say full John McCain, but McLean, but that's literally what it is. He's John McClane. Um, it, you know, the Christmas setting is sort of just a set to it, and I understand that, but I still call it a Christmas movie myself, and the action in that movie, the wit, gosh, like, it's one of those, watching that movie, I really don't understand why Alan Rickman didn't get more, like, villainous, villainous roles, because he's really good as Hans Gruber, and, I mean, I really like, like, he is... I mean, he's obviously my favorite diehard villain, but that's because they all kind of go downhill after the first one. But his acting in that movie, his his wit, the way he plays off of Bruce Willis's character, like, amazing. And for better or for worse, that bathroom scene after running through the glass just sends chills down my spine every time I think about it. Number three, A Wonderful Life. It's A Wonderful Life. So this is really the only like true, true Christmas classic. The only thing coming before the 19, I guess 80s because of Die Hard. But um, yeah, I mean, this is just this is just straight up a classic, and it's one of those things that it's been uh, what's, what's the right word? It's been sort of parodied in TV shows before. It's been you know people have done kind of homages to it in TV shows, but you never typically see a full blown movie like that again, where you look at things like. Christmas Carol, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like, a bunch of these other classics that have been redone throughout time. It's a Wonderful Life never got redone, and I don't think because it's the perfect movie, but I think it's part to do with the time that it came from, and part to do with, it's just, it's a complete movie. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily need to improve on what's going on in that movie. It's, it's a weird story that it's kind of a contrast, in my opinion, to The Grinch, where The Grinch is about hating everybody and learning to love them, and It's a Wonderful Life is about sort of hating yourself and learning to love yourself, where, you know, in The Grinch, he doesn't really change, the town sort of changes, this one is nobody else really changes, he just sees his life for what it's worth, and it's one of those it's a hard thing to talk about for a lot of people, but Christmas is a really depressing time for some. And this movie kind of, to me, puts in, in retrospect to myself, how important one person can be, not necessarily to the entire world, but to those around them, to the people that they care about and the people that care about them. Number two, the Santa Claus. So, this is a, this is more a nostalgic pick. This is something that every year would be something that we'd watch. You know, when we were younger, my 
father was a lot more of a Tim Allen fan who used to watch, you know, Home Improvement, yada, yada, yada. And this movie was just a Christmas classic. And it's, it was never one of those things to me to fully understand how Santa worked. But this movie kind of trying to give why everything happens as it does. Um, the elves, Santa Claus himself being more a title, which truly horrifying if you think about it how many people have probably been Santa then died then gotten taken over by someone else and having to leave their entire family behind which you know it's the you know Tim Allen kind of having to leave his son and um you know all the physical forced physical changes through magic that you have to go through it's just flat out horrifying in its own right but it's still a fun movie and it's, you know, it's the style of Tim Allen in that time where you, you know, you take a normal thing and add an abnormality to it and still try to play it off as normal. And, you know, it's fun. It's entertaining. I don't particularly care for the ones after that. It's, this is kind of the... I don't think holiday movies necessarily need a sequel. I'm hard-pressed to think of any sequels coming from holiday movies that were anything comparable to the original. Um, so it's just one of those... Don't... If you strike if you strike gold once, don't go digging again in the same spot because you might have dug it up already. But, you know, it's it's still one of those classic Christmas movies to me that is just a fun ride and it I mean it's got deep emotional parts to it as well it's not it's not nearly as deep and emotional as it's a wonderful life but it's still showing sacrifice for something as kind of silly as one day a year to go around the world and give presents to kids all the things that you have to sacrifice in your life now for number one, A Christmas Carol from 2000. Now, I don't know if any of you guys might have seen this one. This is actually a bit more uh, difficult to get a hold of sometimes. This is actually from 2000 uh, from TNT. It was a made-for-TV movie. But it is A Christmas Carol starring Sir Patrick Stewart. And... I I have no qualms about admitting that I deeply love Next Generation of Star Trek more than the original. Um, I X-Men, Professor X is one of my favorite characters throughout that entire movie series done by Sir Patrick Stewart. And this movie just kind of epitomizes the, the range. I mean, he was a Shakespearean actor. There's no, you know... This was his field house, and he knocks it out of the park every time for me when I watch that movie. It's, to me, it's such an ingrained classic where there was the longest time that I'd seen it, and I saw it once when it came out initially, and I kept looking for it and looking for it and looking for it, and finally somebody found it for me and gave it to me, and I watch it every year at this point in time. Because, yes, it is the classic um, Dickens story of A Christmas Carol. But Sir Patrick Stewart does such an amazing job on it that 
it it is truly one of my favorite pieces of work from him it's you know it's not action-packed like x-men or you know crazy intellectual like star trek but it is such a good piece of work especially for a made-for-tv movie but it is ultimately my favorite christmas movie um well, that is it for me for this year. I will see you guys next year. And if you guys want to leave your favorites down below, you know, want to call out mine, any problems you have with them, feel free to, honestly. This is the season for sharing, season for giving, and I hope I gave you a good time. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Oh, Grinch. Hello there. Did you enjoy that top five? I know I sure did. <laughs> did it get you all holly and jolly inside? It did me. Well, that's besides the point. It is a joyous time of the year. Christmas, Christmas, stockings, hats, trees, mm. and my favorite, the candy cane, sweet, succulent, delicious candy cane. I love Christmas, everything about it. This next thing you're going to see is something pretty special. And it's courtesy of Big Daddy. So enjoy. And right after that, you're gonna hear a special track by DJ Be Done. You ain't ready, Freddy. <laughs> enjoy the wisdom of Big Daddy. Enjoy the wisdom of what Christmas means. Because Big Daddy is Big Daddy. You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense. Who wrote the fucking script? Come on, guys. Just, we're trying to put a Christmas special on here. Was it you, Lenny? John? That's besides the point. You're going to enjoy this joint. Big Daddy's going to lay some groundwork. Maybe make you twerk. Because <laughs> that's what I like to do on Christmas Eve is a little boobity bobbity boo. So enjoy Big Daddy's words and enjoy DJ B Dunn's track. And after that, <laughs> you ain't ready, but we'll be right back. What's going on, y'all? This is Big Daddy here. I want to give my story on what Christmas means to me. It's changed over the years. The first used to be about the presents. First it was, yeah, first it was about the presents. And then after a while, it just changed to something much deeper, more meaningful. Of course, like I said, again, the presents. When you're a kid, it was all about, oh, I was a good kid. I was a good kid. And I thought that was kind of brainwashing. That was fucked up. I really did. I thought that was fucked up. <laughs> if you're good all year, you get all these presents. 
I was like, I'm good all the damn time? No, why can't you just give me the damn presents then? And uh, I just say over the years, it's changed. It's changed from the gifts to the food. You know, because when you get older, you know, you know, the gifts are cool, but the food, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The fucking, man, we used to, we make tamales. Pasole. Fucking my grandma, when she was alive, she'd make the Mexican sweet bread. Oh, my God. Big old, just big old round cookies like that. About yay thick. Sprinkled all kinds of sugar on top of them. And I, we didn't give a damn what time of night it was. Coffee. We drank coffee with them some bitches. We didn't care. We, sometimes milk, but something about sweet bread with coffee that just, oh, just so, so good. And I would eat, I would like, I would get my the big old cookie like that, and I would like cut it in half. So that way, by, by, by the time I duck my, my piece into the coffee cup, it was about, uh, the cookie would be about this thick. Yeah, about this thick. Yeah, about, yeah, about that thick. It's like I'm holding my head, huh? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would just duck the whole damn thing in there. Just it pulled out, dripping with nothing but coffee, goodness, and love. And oh yeah, you can taste love on food. And my grandma, when she would make the sweet bread for Christmas time, all the Mexican food, my aunts and my mom and all of them would chip in, and they'd cook. You could just taste the love. And that's what it became about for me after a certain age. It's just about being together with my family, you know, being together under one roof, sharing the love, sharing the hopes and dreams that we have going forward with our lives and stuff like that. You know, of course, all that stuff, stuff stopped when my grandma passed away. I tried to keep it alive with my son, with my more immediate family. That way, you know, we can keep hope alive. I always kept the rest of my family in my heart, in my prayers, but it is just... For me, personally, it's about love, hope, and being able to see all my family and loved ones again another year. And so far, we've done good. We've done good so far. I've done good on trying to keep that little hope alive for the, for the most part. And so have they, those who you know want to continue with that tradition. So that's what Christmas is about to me. Love, tradition being together if not physically spiritually we call each other up crack jokes talk shit you know you know that that fun stuff family does yeah my family we just like to we well we love to crack jokes and talk shit on each other <laughs> it's all it's all out of love though but yeah that's that's what christmas means to me love just love so i hope y'all Get to spend time with your families too, for whatever your reasons, and I may hope it's a good one. That's what that's, you know, it's not up to me, but I just hope it's a good one. <laughs> so, peace and Merry Christmas.
Yeah, the flavor keeps going, baby. The flavor keeps going. <laughs> so, I hope you enjoyed those words of wisdom from Big Daddy. The fun is not stopping yet. And you heard that delicious, awesome, super flavorful track by DJ B. Dunn. Nothing but love and nothing but respect for the holidays, the holidays, the holidays. If you really can't catch the theme, it's can you be the sexy ninja hosting? Don't be a dick. Let's help Satan Nick the social event podcast. Okay, that's enough of my bullshit. We're jumping right on in. Big Q and his homies from the UK for Madness Records is coming up. The, the interview conducted by myself and with these ninjas. And they're going to school you on some flavor. And at the end of that, you're going to hear an awesome track they did with Lex the Hex Master. Big Q shout out. Nothing but love and respect. Let's get this thing rolling. Get the candy canes and listen to the interview. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. I got that though. So what what got y'all into hip hop and doing it out there, especially with the juggalo scene? How is the juggalo scene over there? Well, for me, I'm in the juggalo scene over here. Um, so over here, it's a, it's still like really underground. So it's it's not like how it is over over in the states where you know there's quite a lot of uh, underground artists that are successful. Over here, it's still really really just sort of underground. And it's the same with uh, UK hip hop, really, and the same with what Sketch listens to. Um, he's not in the juggalo scene, but yeah, not, he does uh, listen to um, uh, a group uh, from Manchester called the Cult of the Damned. Yeah, Cult of the Damned, Blah Records. Uh, well, it's Manchester, Liverpool. They've got rappers from London, but it's a big collective. And Blah Records is sort of, especially Northern UK underground hip hop. They're the sort of forefront of that at the moment, I'd say, in the underground scene. Oh, yeah, definitely for the northern part of the UK, yeah, yeah. definitely. I can't say I can comment on much of the juggalo scene. I am uneducated in that area. But, uh... <laughs> but uh... He's still learning. This oh, kid's yeah, 18. I'm he's just turned 18. He's, uh, 18. We've just uh, we've took him onto Magnus Records. He's also part of the uh, the rap group, the commission. So you've got myself and Blacklisted, MC. We're both juggalos. And then you've got... Um, You've got Sketch, and we've got a, a Polish guy called uh, MCS. Um, he's also in the group. And then uh, there's another guy called Peso as well. He's like a, a storyteller UK hip-hop artist. The internet nowadays, is it so much easier to access to get exclusive juggle music, you know, like just because of Spotify and how the internet works now compared to back in the day when you couldn't find anything? Oh yeah, definitely from over this this side, definitely in the UK, because it was more like it was just trying to fucking find mixtapes that were on sale and stuff like that, or just knowing other juggalos that have been to America and sort of brought CDs over there, brought them back or whatever. Whereas now, yeah, it's just it's straight on Spotify. Everything's released on Spotify. It's the same with the track that we've just dropped today with Lex. You know, that's straight to Spotify. You know, straight to the audience in America, straight to the audience in the UK and Europe. Whereas before, it'd been a hell of a lot difficult, especially when I was in high school in the early 2000s. That it was really hard because it was like, you know, just street promotion, giving CDs out and stuff. So it was really hard to promote yourself, especially as an underground juggalo artist at that time as well. How big is the hip hop underground scene over there? Well, at the moment, at the moment, over in the UK, 
The drill's probably more predominant. Yeah, man. Yeah, say over a, have you have you heard of drill? Yes. Yeah, so drill drill's quite popular in the UK at the moment, especially with the uh, the younger generation as well. Hip hop, it's never really got to a point of where it is in America, if that makes sense. So there was like artists like Plan B who managed to make it commercially successful, but then you've got artists like Skinny Man. There was a lot of underground artists that started to sort of make a, a place in the UK scene, but labels just started ripping people off. Oh yeah, the and that's labels yeah, and that's like why people over, man. exactly, and that's why you've got you've got like labels like Blah Records and High, yeah, Focus, High Focus, and then ourselves Madness Records, and then there's. Uh, another label in in Birmingham where I'm at uh, called Crow Gang Records as well. Like a lot of UK artists have had to do things independently, create their own yeah. labels, you know, with their <clears throat> friends who also rap and stuff like that. Because a lot of major labels, major labels weren't really interested in UK yeah. artists. They were just interested in trying to make money and rip people off. How deep does your roots go into hip hop in the juggalo world? Like. You know, what was that first hip-hop tape you heard? Does it have to be Juggalo or anything like that? Just something you're like, shit, this is what I want to be a part of. Uh, the first the first sort of hip-hop I ever really heard was N.W.A. and Tupac. So I was uh, I was introduced to Tupac uh, through poetry for a social worker when I was a child. Um, they gave me some poetry books, and Tupac, there was a poetry book, uh, The Rose That Grew From The Concrete, and then um, the guys that I was hanging around with uh, at the time, I was at the end of what we call primary school over here. So, uh, you know, you're just approaching the age of 11 before you go to high school. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends that were around me were all into hip hop and stuff. And my friend, his older brother was really into hip hop and gave us his NWA CD, not CD, sorry, cassette. I've still got the cassette now. And I just listened to that for a long time. Uh, just trying to grasp the whole culture of hip-hop and what was going on. And then it was just the whole, you know, the rhyming scheme of everything that sort of what drew me in. Uh, people talking about, you know, their lives and stuff like that. Yeah, and for me, uh, I guess the first, because I'd, I'd listened to American hip-hop. I've had that throughout my life from my dad. My dad listened to a lot of it, so, so did I. But I think the first UK hip-hop album I listened to was... Uh, the, that first Dr. Syntax album, the one with subcultures on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was probably the first full album that I listened to. And on that, he quotes Chester P and Jest, who are the basically two goats in the UK hip-hop scene. Um, the Return of the Dr Drifter by Jest is probably one of the staple albums from the genre and is really influential on all these upcoming rappers, really, if you look especially on the hip-hop side of things, man. But then other artists as well, like Dirty Dyke, obviously, High Focus lot, The Four Hours, all of that upcoming. I started listening to all of them. I wanted to start making the beats. With beat making, like you just said, making beats, what's your inspiration for beats? Because, you know, there's so many types of styles, trap, um, you know, chopping, and, you know, so many styles, speeding up, speeding down. Is there any producers that you look at you're like, oh hell yeah, I want to be no, I you know not be like that, but you want to make sure that your your sound is influenced. Uh, I think that for me personally, Madlib and Jay Diller from the American side are two just inspirational producers in the way 
they go about making their music. From this side of the pond, I'd say that people like Dirty Dyke, uh, again, he's produced for loads of artists over here. And That's a bit crazy, you know. I like to drift between genres every like year or so, man. I'm currently, on, I'm currently making a lot of drill music, but before that, I was into bassline, like UK bassline. Mm. comes from UK Garage, and that was what I was into, and I was heavily influenced by my brother's CDs that he had. And then I went off of that when I was... I learned how to produce it from back to front. I went on to doing... Um, yeah, I went on to drill, kind of, as that kind of evolved, because they started using different samples and stuff. And so I listened to, you know, your usual... Um, with, there's lots of them, really, but I don't really remember because <laughs> they're not relevant anymore. You've got a lot of different artists that come and go. And then the producers are who I listen to, and I learn how to make beats like them, kind of. And then once I've kind of gotten to a certain point, I'll drift on to other things. You know what I mean? Like, I'm starting to drift on to R&B because, you know, I'll, I'll listen to some music that my girlfriend listens to. I think, you know, why, why don't I make something that they're going to want to listen to? Makes me more versatile. That's what. That's yeah, what, man, That's man. my story. Yeah, man, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I just. I'm influenced by the stuff that's around me. That, you know, what I mean. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, me. Like, uh, I listen to so much different music, man. Uh, my mine is uh, well. I, I like Dre's productions. Uh, Dre, he's Dr. Dre. He's brilliant. <laughs> like his producing is absolutely brilliant. You can't really knock it. And then um, from the horrorcore aspect of things, death rap is necro, like. Necro's production on his beats. You can't beat it. It's absolutely brilliant. What is the goal? Like making more music videos, making more music? Like what does 2021 look like for Madness Records? Oh, you ready? <laughs> oh, God. Do you want the list? <laughs> there is a list, literally. So the uh, the band Control Alt Delete that's on Madness Records, they're, uh, they're actually going to release their. Um, their EP, uh, the Free Finger Salute, on the 10th of January. So, I think that's going to be the first official release. Maybe, maybe if we uh, if we time it right um, and get it mixed on time, you might get an exclusive uh, exclusive exclusive bar track. Oh yeah. From uh, Sketch over here as well. So that could just be before the 10th of January, and then um, we're going to be shooting some music videos in January as well. As long as uh, COVID don't start messing us again. So we're going to be shooting some videos for my singles for my album. We're going to shoot the commission group video. That's going to be a cracking video. Yeah, Peso's, be... Peso's uh, mixtape should be coming out in February. Control Alt Delete are going to release their album later in the year. Uh, I'll be releasing my album um, sometime, uh, sometime early part of next year. I'm not giving the date yet because it's it's not ready to be released date yet. <laughs> I'll let you know when that one comes. But yeah, the album's going to be coming out. Uh, the Lex track's going to be on there. Um, the Kid Crusher track um, that I've got Kid Crusher on, um, that's the next single uh, from me. That's going to be hopefully coming out uh, middle of January. Um, there's other features as well. Um, there's one with ROC and EXA from Dirt Boys, that'll hopefully come out in March. Um, Al Rabs is working on a mixtape at the moment as well. Um, what's Simon working on? He's always working Simon's on something. Simon's on something, man. He's always working on something. On his 300-beat folder. I know, yeah. Oh, uh, the Polish guy that we have on our on the group, in the commission, he um, 
he makes so many beats, man. Honestly, he, like he just names them by number. Yeah, he, he makes so many beats. Man. But we, uh, I've told him he needs to start selling his beats, man, because dude, like he's he's a tighty dude, man. Oh, he, his he, beats are unbelievable. He's, he's, he's straight on it, man. And he's like really versatile, so he can make hip hop, trap, drill, literally. If you give and him an idea and that, he can he can okay. roll with it. So like, yeah, he'll be coming out with. Uh, I think he's working. Well, he's working on the EP for the project. So he's got his EP, and then me sketch and peso. Peso's the dude that's on the chorus with Lex and me. Um, we've got a joint EP that we're working on as well. Um, just trying to figure out uh, a date for that as well. And then um, yeah, there's so much stuff, man. Amir, what are you working on, bro? I'm working on a um, like a little personal kind of album that I'm putting together, really. And then, um, yeah, it's a drill out. It's a drill album, but the way I do my drill music is different. I um, I use some of the sounds that you hear typically, but then I'll use a different drum pattern that's kind of got diff, diff, small little changes. And I'll use different instruments at times, man. And I'll rap about different things, so it's not automatically classed as drill, even though it's got the same kind of drum pattern. And that's what I've kind of been working on the last like year. I'm gonna push that out soon, and then after that. Um, I'll be looking at doing some R&B, you know, and That's collaborating, good, you know what I mean? Like modern day yeah, R&B music yeah. that all these girls are listening to. You know I mean? <laughs> Emil's on the, girl, go, Emil's yeah, on the girls vibe. I was telling yeah, Sketch yeah. earlier on, bro, um, the, the Juggalette contest. I was oh, telling him about the wet t-shirt <laughs> contest. My, I, I'm bringing my dude next year. Hopefully yeah, the gathering's on, man, because I was so upset it wasn't on this year. But now he's 18, I want to bring him. And and, and he's going to experience the gathering, bro. <laughs> COVID, how it affected y'all with concerts and stuff like that, and everyone staying at home, do you feel like you've been motivated just to make more material? So in 2021 rolls around, and you guys can do shows and this and that, are you ready to go full force? Yeah, I think it's sort of been a uh, big motivating factor in it, because now that you can't, you know, be playing shows, you've got been releasing music, it's not people aren't really listening as much right now to the underground shit. But when twenty twenty one rolls around, if we've got enough stuff, you know, back piled up, we you know we sorted, won't we man? Definitely. Yeah, no, I'll be I'll be honest. When uh when the uh, UK government over here announced um a national lockdown um, I kind of took my time for granted a little bit. I was I was playing my PS4 a lot. I was playing all the Assassin's <laughs> Creed games, trying to get 100% achievements on everything. So I got a bit carried away playing the PS4, and then I realised while I was doing that, I was kind of wasting my time and that. So that that's all been packed in a box and stuck in the attic, so that can stay up there for the moment. And while I work on my music, but towards sort of the um, sort of like from July onwards. Um, I sort of started cracking on a bit more, getting my album recorded and stuff. Because the plan was, was you know, while we're in lockdown, get my album recorded, get it mixed, start getting things released and stuff like that, so we can start releasing the album at the, the beginning of sort of 2021 or sort of the end of 2020. But that never happened because Big Q decided to play games instead. <laughs> decided, decided to play on console games instead of actually working on music. But now. Now that I'm, I'm I'm fully focused, the album's pretty much recorded. There's only two tracks left to record for the album. Um, a few of the tracks uh, are 
basically on on the verge of being sort of finished and mixed and then i can get them mastered and stuff and then get the rest of the stuff mixed and get the other the the other two tracks left to record get them recorded get them mixed the the album art's sort of been decided now most of the singles album art's already been done and stuff like that the the singles apart from the last one um which i won't name yet um that hasn't been recorded yet. That's one of the last tracks to record. It's the main single from the album. So I want it to be, I want to record it the last, like I want to record that last. So it's perfect basically. So yeah, now I'm, I'm pretty much more productive. We've, we've all sat down and, and had little meetings and put sort of plans together. Everyone on the label knows where they're at. Everyone knows what the targets are. Uh, we've got deadlines to sort of get things done so we can start getting stuff released. So when 20, 21 gets here we're just pretty much releasing stuff from every aspect of the label at least every month how did you guys get get lex x master and kid crusher because that's huge especially in the juggalo community but i would just say in music in general because kid crusher's been killing it for a long time and lex the x master he's just a beast oh yeah definitely i agree see kid crusher i started listening to kid, kid crusher in high school so like 2000 sort of seven eight maybe earlier maybe later but i know it was around that time um i found i found the dude on myspace i was just sort of looking for some more sort of juggalo music um because at that point i was just sort of listening to sort of just what was on psychopathic records so i was just trying to find other juggalo music and i found kid crusher on myspace and i've pretty much been following the dude ever since and um lex well as soon as Lex appeared on the scene, I just sort of fell in love with his music, really. And I just, I, I like his art. I like his, how he, his delivery and stuff. Um, I met the dude last year, uh, the uh, UK gathering, um, where he performed that. Um, he's a cool dude as well, man. So it was just all cool. But the, the feature was already fixed before that. Um, my manager sorted that, sorted that on out, basically. We just, uh, just got in contact with him. Um, I think it was through his manager because um, my manager dealt dealt with all that basically, and it was just all done that way really. And same with Kid Crusher. As soon as the you know the agreements were made and stuff, it was it was pretty much turned over really quickly basically. So as soon as agreements were made and beat, the beats were sent over and stuff, it was a couple of days, and I received received everything back basically. So it was all good really. Is there any other artist that you're after right now or for the future that you're... Oh bro, there's a list. At the top of the list is myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. Yeah, no, no. Well, yeah. Kruger. Yeah. My guy. Yeah, top Kruger. list of people I probably want to produce with more Producer. Day. Yeah, man. Yeah. Archie's producer Kruger. Um what a guy. he's from Birmingham as well. He's producing for him. But um no, answer to your question, bro. Um bro, there's so many. Um I wanna I wanna get a collab with Eshime. I'm not gonna lie, Eshime is my biggest influence in hip hop, in in you know, horrorcore, in the wicked shit, just everything that's to do with what I do musically. Eshime is, you know, my idol if you wanna say basically. Uh, I met the dude at the gathering last year. I was cool as fuck, man. Um the seminar thing in, I got some free t shirts, so I really dig that necro as well whether whether it just be uh, a beat from necro or or an actual verse that'd be cool but it'd be, it'd be cool if it was like necro and mr hyde as well 
and then like really like really putting it out there i'd really like to collaborate with nas so if you can make that happen bro that'd be cool where they can find you online um all your instagrams and we'll have all of this in the description below so you can peep out madness records and um you can find a meal on pornhub.com <laughs> you can't no you can find uh so my instagram is q u e m c uh my facebook is Galway q which is spelled g a l w a y and then if you just type madness records into youtube all my music is going to be on the madness records channel and all my other socials will be you can get them on instagram and my facebook fan page sketch yeah my, my ads uh it's actually under the madness record label description as well but it's uh aj sketch sketch spell s-k-e-t-c-h and then uk and that's for instagram and that's where you'll find me linking any of my shit man that's uh no plug, plug yourself man underscore bass lines that's b-a-s-s-l-i-n-e DJ, that is my Instagram. Um, I didn't know people from Birmingham could spell. Shit, man, I can't spell. I'm not from Birmingham. I remember my first spelling. I remember my first time spelling. But yeah, man, <laughs> whoop whoop to any of the juggalos that were listening to this, man. Ch- uh, definitely go check out the UK Juggalo Cypher. You've got myself on there. You've got Exa from Dirt Boys and Ghost Art. They're both from Crow Gang. You've got Blacklisted MC who's also part of the commission. And then, yeah, me again. I'm only on there once, but yeah, me again. <laughs> me again. Because apparently I love myself, according to some people. But fuck you. Um, <laughs> and then you've got Twisty and Sightick on there as well, man. And then, you know, big up to Lex for doing the feature, man. I really appreciate that, man. Man, this wreck is going to take over the world. I, I, I count on this. All right, y'all. So I'm glad. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll hear the track after that's going to be banging us out. But we're getting out of here. So when in doubt, fuck your fuck cow. Thank you. Lex the Hex. Master. Peso. Coming in with my soldiers, no one would hold us, no one is colder, I'm bringing them boulders, I dare you to fold us, I got my focus, I'm God chosen. Some witnessing this was I'm the omen, no, I'm in charge, leading the force, now I'm the chauvin, flooding the lands from over the ocean. This is a word from the wise, I wouldn't suggest this, something you deny, you might jeopardize your life, or fuck up your own high. Putting your dreams on wares, craving the Biaskin wares, Adrian Madness, locked him in the basement, bitch, I'm the new placement. Backstabbing pagans, fuck you if you're fucking hating, you know you give me an ace, I'll rain, I'm facing the greenness and I'm breaking it. Like a wig spit bitch you won't quit Sucking dick, play games, little bitch I'll send around my boy Rich Pram the face of Satan, face with hatred from a gracious boy A grow free, painless with a lack of thought Brainless, I'll stab you in your head for a penny of your thoughts Dark, I'm the fucking one who's having the shots caught Why is this backwards ass fuck is still attacking us Or I'm Dexter with rhymes, I'm a door The audience are clapping, I'm the tough fucking general These meds I take are stopping me from snapping now with a snapchat pick, be you with a phone book prick See what shit you slim, not your tiny little dick Dickhead. Me and my homie Feezy will make your life an easy If you was really punch, you'd feel more than dreaming All you fucking punks will keep saying that I've lost it Keep running your mouth like water from a faucet Dark, I will draw you up, I'm a fucking artist Make me a target, you'll never stop this Madness, it's all madness 
don't want no bastards We do it cause we can, we never been a bunch of actors We could roll up on your block and leave the place like a disaster Went repenting for my sins, but ended tired, you're not the pastor Madison's the mafia Better than the rapture We started from the bottom but we passed that Yeah we trendy hidden hashtags Madness I'm a madman Madness make you crash land Us lot we make bangers You make crash bangs I spit it like I'm supposed to Lex be going loco Putting shame to your vocals They say I'm antisocial Aggressively I approach you Mentally I destroy you Lyrically I will roast you Representing my coastal Born soldiers I mold you Player haters I fold you Envelopes and go postal don't come close to me, I need five feet of space Before I wild beat your face, just make sure your feet is laced Watch me beat the case, leave you with the piece of face Bitch, I'm an animal, welcome to Wild Kingdom Who want their head chopped off, and arms sawn off And blast with a sword off, shotgun through the corridor This ain't horrorcore, it's horrible, I'm bombing on you Gold Sama on you, swift swipe, tomahawk you The whole scene will be awful, watch how I off you Toss you off a 10 story building after I torch you Madness, it's all madness We don't want no bastards We do it cause we can We never been a bunch of actors We could roll up on your block And leave the place like a disaster Went repenting for my sins But ended tired, you're not the pastor Madison's the mafia Better than the rapture We started from the bottom But we passed that Yeah, we trendy hidden hashtags Madness, I'm a madman Madness make you crash land Us lot, we make bangers You make crash bangs I came in this game with force Riding in on a horse Lex is carrying the torch With ninjas taking your sword We both have our armies I've got a pack of zombies That'll kill you quick And eat up your bodies I'm the gruesome dude With a screw loose or two A fat fucker's crude And only thing serve food No forks, just tune Nice, high and big cute. Who the hell are you when you lose a fucking crew? So you fucking punks roll with ten guys deep and you look like clowns, you're just bloody sheep. Yo, on these streets there is only me, not wearing a disguise or anything cheap. I'm a lonesome who's on his own punk. Hold my scroll to my don't give a fuck. Like, really, I don't give a fuck. So I'ma shoot your dude in the head, my son. I don't really care where you cunts are from. Here's a dead one of your faces. Look, you're asking what the fuck am I looking at? Then don't like it when and stay and take my stand. Fuck your postcode, I'm sending you home. Yo, Lawrence, they've already been told. Have tenfold, they done been stole. Kill the air like mold. Time for me to lose control. There's no intimidation on what you're advocating for the situation. All you bitches are creating. You damn right, I'm hating, barely hearing what you're saying. Your numbers are lower than my iTunes ratings. I'm on revenge call. Something like taken. I'ma kill you, but you ram. Your face is thin ice and I'm fast fucking skating There is no escaping from the wraith of Adrian My goodness, my goodness, so much flavor So much flavor Tee-ha, tee-ha <laughs> One more One more thing from Big Daddy one more to just give you that big daddy intellect in his noggin. Because Big Daddy's my homie. Merry Christmas, brother. I love you. C Plus Studios is growing farther beyond our imagination, especially with this Christmas special. I am happy and I am thankful. And that's a true Christmas gift that you could ever can get. Shout out to Flix for... Uh, 
you know, just being flicks and dropping top five movies, his top five movies for Christmas. And shout out to everybody on this podcast, Big Q and his homies in the UK. Shout out to the main event, the Nelms brothers for the directors of Fat Man for coming on here. Shout out to DJ B Dunn for providing music. We got more music at the end. You're going to see it's going to blow your mind. I'm just saying this is, we're not finished yet. That's what I'm saying. This big Christmas special is for you guys. This Christmas special is everything that we wanted it to be and given into a big, nice gift for you. We love you guys. We hope you enjoy this. Merry fucking Christmas. We love every single one of y'all. So now you're going to get one more big daddy to slap you with some knowledge. All right? Slap you with some knowledge. It's an amazing just Big Daddy being Big Daddy for the Christmas spirit. And after that, you will see the Fat Man trailer. Yes. What? What? Yes, you will see the Fat Man trailer. So the people who have not seen this movie will be like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Everybody's talking about the Fat Man starring Mel Gibson and a great fucking cast. And a great interview on top of that. So you're going to see Big Daddy, the Fat Man trailer. Then the interview with the Nelms brothers. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Because you ain't ready. And uh, shout out. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, this thing's so huge. 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 Inside your mouth. I'm going crazy. Maddie Saifa has a track on here as well. Shout out. Thank you. Thank you. And shout out to everybody else. Blackfoot 505. Shout out to the whole family out there on the underground scene. This is one more time to go. And you're going into the, the main event, baby. The main event! And it's going to slap you across your face. Merry Christmas. One of my favorite stories from Christmas, um, shit, before I became an adult, <laughs> and yes, I got my little hand, Santa hat on, I got the stockings right there, that one's, you know, red, 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 and of course right here, that's Yoda, in case you're trying to look over my shoulder and see what that is. So, back in the day when their flagstaff used to get lots of snow, we used to go bumper sliding, and it was fun as shit. We'd go about Christmas Eve, and uh, it would be us, my family, and the Hernandez's across the street, and the Vasquez family, that was our direct, our next-door neighbors back then, we would go bumper sliding. There'd be about, oh, about four or five trucks pulling all of us along. We would go around our neighborhood. We'd go up through here in Brandon Homes. Sometimes we'd get on a... Uh, Route 66, South Milton, Butler. We'd be just going all up and down the damn street. And no one would be out. Not, not even the police would even be out. And we would just bumper slide for hours. We'd start about 8 o'clock on a Christmas Eve. And we would just go, ooh, sometimes until about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And we stopped at after snow started dwindling. We, yeah, this, this global warming just kind of fuck shit up man but i do miss it bumper sliding all hours of the night it was just fun as shit and in case some of y'all don't know what bumper sliding is 
we would the trucks would pull us all along. We would literally just hang on to the bumpers like this. And sometimes, depending on who was driving, they'd go at a, at a, at a slow pace. And sometimes you'd get those assholes and who was, you know, put pedal to the middle and just drag our asses going 100 miles an hour. But it was all right. It was fun. I miss, I miss all that. But we would go home 2, 3 o'clock in the morning after we were finished. Just be freezing, freezing. We're trying to be quiet, take off our wet ass clothes, and <laughs> and you know, grandma, and grandpa get up, all the parents get up, and what are you doing? And you should be in bed, and all this other stuff. We're like, we're all having fun. We've got the family here. Shit, relax. It's all good. Come join us. And grandpa would be. <laughs> that that old dirty ass look but it's all i miss that i miss my grandma miss grandma and grandpa and all the fam back then we'd all just get together just have fun that's what i miss the most the bumper slide and the family gathering for christmas it was just just fun so hopefully maybe someday we start getting snow here in flagstaff again uh and we can go bumper sliding again because that shit was fun so that's my story <laughs> Maybe it's time I retired the coat. You still have it. Some kids with a deer rifle put two holes in the sleigh, one in me. All I have is a loathing for a world that's forgotten. The United States military would like to procure your services. This is a one-time deal, gentlemen. How are you, Mike? Nicole and the kids are well, I hope. Where are you? Job. I'd like you to kill Santa Claus. I'm looking for the fat man. You can't be serious. This is what people actually think of me. Christmas is a farce. I am a joke. What's the purpose of your visit? Hunting. I'm gonna kill some things. There is a rising number of our youth making poor decisions. What the big man's head? Severed heads rot, they mold. They don't want his beard. I'm not shaving off a dead man's beard. Your workers sure have healthy appetites. That's why elves live much longer than humans. And Chris, he does the same. No, it's a giving that keeps him young. I've come for your head, fat man! Dashing through the snow No one horse open You think you're the first? Oh, Think I got this job because I'm fat and jolly? Donner. Lucky it wasn't Blitzer should tear your package clean off. 
What up, y'all? This is KMB, the Sexy Ninja, in the place to be. As always, I have two special guests here. I My wig is blown back farther to kingdom come than you can believe because these two are, are super awesome ninjas. They're, can you introduce yourselves, good sir? Because I'm just so geeked and excited to get this started. I'm Ian Nelms, one of the writer-directors of Fat Man. And this is Esther Nelms, the, uh, the other writer-director of Fat Man. Thanks for having us, Kyle. Yeah, uh, if anybody that has not seen Fat Man yet, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to watch Fat Man right now. It is by far one of my favorite movies of this year, and it's definitely entertaining, and it's definitely going going to be a part of my collection. I just want to get this started by asking, what brought on this project, especially with this version of Santa Claus? Well, I think, I think for us, like we, there was felt like there was room in the genre, right? So we had seen the Tim Allen family friendly version, which we all love and cherish, and then we had seen the sociopath that comes down your chimney with a hatchet and wants to take you out. But uh, there just felt like there was room for a, a Chris Kringle with some swagger, right? Like a contemporary Western version of this man with some idiosyncrasies and foibles, and uh, and we really liked making him like an everyman. You know, Ian and I are from uh, a rural community in Central California, and we wanted to just sort of pluck one of those folks out and put him in Alaska and and, and see what that Chris Kringle coat looked like on him. Yeah, he's he's the 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 Chris Kringle we we imagined was I mean the whole conversation started as we were just trying to figure out like okay well if he was real like and this was 14 years ago like we started writing the script probably 15 years ago and and we had a working draft 14 years ago um but yeah like the the idea was just like okay how would we ground this and how would we how would this actually really work and then when we started dissecting the mythos and like the man and like how would he how would he actually live among amongst everybody? Like, you know, there's not really a grocery store up in Antarctica, so he couldn't really be on the North Pole. Like, how, where would he be, you know, and, and how would that actually function? And then we started coming up with all those crazy ideas of like, okay, well, he would probably be, you know, subsidized by a government. Uh, people would have found him, you know, probably 100 or 200 years ago and, and, and tried to sort of monetize what he was doing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and it felt like the, the America would have a great pitch for him, right? Like, oh, hey, you can use the post office. We've got all this infrastructure. We'll keep you on the down low. So we just felt like we could see that pitch happening where he kind of got roped into working for the U.S. And as things happened with, I mean, look, I, anybody that runs their own business and, you know, Kyle, I think, you know, you have you being a, co- a podcaster and a wrestler and like, like, you know how it is, man. It's like you just you, you get into a certain circumstance at some point in your life. Everybody's been there um, that you get into a, a financial circumstance where all of a sudden, you know, things are upside down. And and that and, and those those programs that maybe the government had to help people at certain points, all of a sudden, you know, you've got to you, you may have to do something uh, that may be not, you know, not exactly what you were you were initially starting out. You know, like Chris starts out with this very benevolent uh, you know, idea and, and he's, it's going great until, you know, the number of naughty starts outweighing the number of good kids. And then the government starts putting the screws to him because it still is a business to them. They still have to have a bottom line. What was the movie that you saw? Maybe that's what I do for the rest of my life. It was a weird combination. It probably goes in two steps. So when we were kids, uh, like our mom was a bit of a cinephile and she had these, um, she had the Clint Eastwood collection, right? I mean, there was a lot of other movies we watched, but one of the things she got was the Clint Eastwood collection. When we were like 10. And so every two weeks, we would get a new Clint Eastwood classic in the mail, new VHS tape. And it was all the Leone Westerns. It was the Dirty Harrys. And then some of the minor stuff that, you know, you don't really see too much anymore, like Iger Sanction, 
and uh, and uh, Foxfire, and um, and 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 we were just like we watched those things to death, man. We we watched those movies to death, and of course we're fans of like pre- we grew up on like Predator and Aliens and and Terminator, and those those films really affected us. But it wasn't until we were in college that that really started. We started realizing that that could actually be like a a job, you know. Rare, I'm- yeah. Do. yeah, I, I, I literally was going to be an auto mechanic and Ian was, you know, wrestling his way through college and he was, you know, he was going to be a teacher and, uh, you know, coach wrestling. That was kind of the plan until our mid 20s. And we had this moment where we both saw those movies unbeknownst to each other, several states apart. And I called Ian the next morning. I'm like, dude, I just watched two amazing movies last night. And it kind of opened my eyes. He's like, I just watched two amazing movies last night. And there you go. You know, we had both uh, watched uh the Barfly and the Real Blonde, and had an eye-opening experience. Yeah, we we both decided at that point. I mean, and Esh was off in Kansas City at art school. He'd gotten a full ride at a, a full art scholarship, a scholarship to go to Kansas City Art Institute, and I got a full ride to go to uh, Cal State Bakersfield on a wrestling wrestling scholarship. And I was an English major and a theater minor, and I was like writing plays, and I was I was I was writing a lot, and I was acting and stuff. And Esham was making comic books and drawings and paintings and all kinds of illustrations. And we just realized that everything in our life was kind of culminating into this, you know, progression of us becoming filmmakers. At least we thought it was. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, we, we were like, Oh man, I think that would be really something really fun. Um, and it's something we would, we would love to do. And, and we started working on it literally like the very next day, you know, we started coming up with ideas and we started thinking about what we were going to do that summer when we both came home. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was like, our parents were photographers for 20 some odd years. When I say, you know, it seems like a culmination of everything in our lives. Like our parents were photographers, professional photographers. And our dad would shoot these little local commercials, um, for like channel 21, you know, which was like the Spanish channel. He would, he would shoot like car dealerships that, that folks owned and were, you know, were shilling on, on public channels, um, and restaurants. And, and, and we would go to all those and help them shoot them. We would like carry all the bags. We'd be like the second cameraman, you know, at 10, 11 years old. And he's like, you're going to use this your whole life. And we're like, dad, we hate this. I never want to do this. We're never going to do this. And then of course he got a big laugh out of it when we come home from college and we're like, dad, uh, can we use some of that equipment you have in the, in the, in the garage, you know, cause at that point he was, he had, uh, he had, he had sold the business and, and just taken a few token items with him and become a teacher. But yeah, he got a real kick out of it. He's like, I told you, you're going to be using this your whole life. And I can see fat man going into more of a bigger universe, you know, and I think comic book would be a really awesome way to expand the character. Was that a conversation during making of the movie? Like, Oh, we can take this into, you know, that's even going into a sequel idea. I, I think, look, there's a lot of different outlets that we could, we could do and mediums, you know, comic books are awesome. Um, Ian and I love comic books, but I think like ultimately we we would love to do another movie, you know, sequel and or prequel. And something that really excites us is video games. You know, I'd love to see a game where we could play you could play as the fat man or as Billy or as Skinny Man um, and sort of have that adventure from that perspective. What's the next step for the fat man? Well, we had it was interesting because we when we came up with the idea like 15 years ago, we we, we both wrote a short story was the first thing we did. And mine was kind of more of a prequel and Esham's was more of what the film ended up being. 
And it was mainly because we looked at both of them and we liked both of them and they were conjoined because we had brainstormed of like, oh, this is the universe we want to create and this is going to be awesome. And we probably talked about it for a couple months. And then we were like, well, let's write two short stories. You do one, I'll do one. And I don't even think we knew what the other one was doing, but we just wanted to see what the other, what was in the other's head. And so we both did a short story and then we compared them. And mine was a prequel and his was more current, which was yeah. kind of blowing to both of us because you know, even though we had talked about all that past and mythos and that world building, it was interesting to see Esham like apply it to a modern world without a prequel story. Whereas for some reason, my mind went to, oh man, we got to do this great prequel. How Chris got his, you know, how, how Chris, you know, started off and like where he came from and why and, and how. Um, but ultimately when we were writing the script, when we decided to write the script out of it, we were like, well, what is, what is something we could actually do as filmmakers? Because the whole prequel was like, it was, period. it was fucking crazy. And we were just like, I don't think we could afford to make this movie or, you know, it's probably down the road. So we looked at Esham's version, which was much more like, oh, we'll get a house and we'll get this. It seemed much more doable and much more realistic um, and, and more in the world that we were dealing with. So we were, and we were making films at the time, you know, that were like really low budget. So we were just like, okay, like, like what could we really do? And that was that was the angle we took. We decided to write it in a contemporary way. But now I think we're very excited to go back and explore some of those more, you know, elevated, you know, aspects of the of the story that we didn't get to do on this one. Yeah, there's since since we since we have been since we've had it for 14 years and been trying to get it made for 14 years, like you know, obviously we've had, you know, multiple discussions of where it could go or what we want to do with it. And then of course we've got the prequel idea of like how it all sort of began. So yeah, man, we've, we've, you know, the world and, and every year we would literally go back in and, and, and keep working on the script. You know, it never stopped that part of it. I don't, I don't think it ever does. You're always trying to make it better. So, and, and of course it gets more layered up with more ideas and, and, and thoughts of, of what the world could be. So yeah, man, we're, we're excited to keep it going and we're excited to talk about or show where it came from. How did Mel Gibson fall into this role or was there some other choices before that or was it like, we need Mel Gibson? No. I, and, and I think you're exactly like us, right? Like we're huge Mel Gibson fans, have been since, you know, uh, Mad Max and Road Warrior fried our brains while eating our Captain Crunch, you know? Like the dude, the legend, obviously, we're a huge fan of as well, and so many more. Um, it's interesting because when we wrote this story 14 years ago, you write it with, with actors in mind, right? And and 14 years ago, Mel was quite a bit younger, and another actor, uh, Jack Nicholson, was quite a bit younger. And so when we first conceived the story, it was Jack Nicholson, right? It was Jack Nicholson versus Johnny Depp. That's kind of what we were going for. Obviously, cut, you know, cut 14 years later when we're actually making it, uh, you know, Nicholson's re retired. And I remember Ian and I, in 2016, we went to a screening of Hacksaw Ridge. And we, you know, Mel came out to do the Q&A. And he's got this beautiful bushy beard. And he's kind of worn down from the production and then the awards, you know, awards circuit. But he's still got the fire and the spark. He still has an incredible passion for cinema despite his wariness. And Ian and I just looked at each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, that feels like Chris. Like, that's our Chris Kringle. That's the guy. And from that moment on, he was locked in our brains. Like, we had to have him. But we didn't get an opportunity to make the movie for another three years. And so we had to just go ahead and do, like, the formal submissions through his agents and all that stuff. And we wrote him a letter, you know, extolling our, our passion for the project and our passion for him and what we thought he could do with the role. 
And I remember we just ended with, uh, you know, and, and Mel, you look great in a beard. Or, you know, this is going to work smashingly well. <laughs> and, you know, you send that off and you hope and you pray. And, and it, there was nothing for a couple weeks. It was radio silence. And he and I were like, oh, man, who do we have to think of next year? Like, we'd been set on him for so long. And then all of a sudden, this email pings in Ian's box. Yeah, I got a I got an email and it, and it was interesting at the time we were talking to so many producers about because we it, it, the reason it had kind of stoked up is because we did this movie called Small Town Crime um, and and that movie has a similar tone in that we're mixing genres. It's got this undercurrent of a western. It's kind of an action film. It's kind of a detective film. It's a it's a thriller. It's a comedy. It's is a character piece. It's got all these things kind of functioning together. And that was the first time we were able to sort of do something on that level and, and be able to point to it and say, that's what Fat Man is. That's what it is. That's the tone of it. So when people would read the script and they'd watch Small Town Crime, they'd say, oh, oh, I understand now. I, I see what this is. And for the past 14 years previous to that, they couldn't quite understand what we were trying to mix and how it was going to come out. And they were like, well, someone's going to make this someday. We really like the script, but it's probably not going to be you guys. You're going to have to do something to show us that you can do this. You can pull this off. So when we did Small Town Crime, that was finally it. That was finally the piece uh, that people were able to wrap their brains around what that crazy script was going to be uh, in some way. So when we, what, what I'm take, we're taking all these emails from producers of like, oh yeah, hey, well, you know, and half of these people just want to see the maniacs that wrote the script, <laughs> and then the other half are like, okay, well, let's let let's take a meeting and see if you know we gel on this idea and we're interested in financing it. Um, and so I was taking a lot of emails like that. So I get this email in my box. It's like, hey, you know, I really enjoyed the script. Um, I thought it was really funny. Would you guys, you know, like to sit down for a chin wag? And we were like, a chin wag? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, and then it didn't have a sign off. There was no, it wasn't like, you know, Mel dude 25 on the email either. It was, there was no, it, it was a, a weird moniker for the email and there was no sign off. So I, I was like, okay, Hey, thanks. Awesome. This is probably a producer, you know, uh, what we'd love to sit down and talk about it. You know, who am I talking, who am I speaking with? And then he wrote back, Oh, sorry. I forget to sign off. Sometimes this is Mel. And I was just like, Oh my God, like what? And yeah. And I hugged after that. It was a big moment for us. Um, just to have him interested and excited about it, it was un unbelievable. Uh, and then they said, okay, you know, our agent talked to their agent. They said, you got 45 minutes to talk to Mel in this in this uh, cafe in Malibu. We're like, all right, great. So we go talk to him, and three and a half hours later, we emerged with him, you know, still talking on the way to the car. Like, we just gelled really well. Uh, we were talking about movies and life and love and fucking fat man. And, and, and he was talking about that. We knew we had the right guy when he started talking about that scene on the balcony, talking to the elves. Right. And he's like, I know that that scene with the elves where I'm standing on the balcony. I'm telling, I'm trying to tell him about this military deal we have to do. And I'm, I, sh I just, I think I should be like ready to cry. It should be that horrible of a thing that I have to tell him. And we're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he said, and I think that's what's going to be so funny about it. And we're like, yes, yes. Like that's, he got it. You know what I mean? We were talking about how grounded we wanted it to be. And he instantly was able to layer it up. And I think it's just, he's a smart guy. He's made a lot of great films. He's been in a lot of great films. And I think that's just, it, he's, he's good in front and behind the camera. And he has a very good understanding of things. So he read the script and just talking to us. There he understood exactly what we were after, and 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 that's part. That's the that's 
does so much of the heavy lifting, right? If you have a collaborator like that, who's one of your leads and, and it went down the line, thank goodness, you know, like with Walton and Mary Ann and Chance, like they all really understood the material. And that was the starting point. You know, when they do their, with Chance, he sent in an audition and we saw it and he was so on point. We were just like, okay, this is the kid. Amazing. And with Mary Ann and Walton and Mel, you know, we're big fans of their work. So we were able to look at their work and say, okay, these people, you know, can in, in, endow or embody these characters, we think in a way. And then thank goodness when we sat down with them, they, they really understood it. So he came on board at that point, And then it, you know, it was just putting the pieces together after that. Oh my goodness. Like what just happened to me? I had the best nerdgasm that I can ever have ever. And when um, you reached out, when you both reached out to me and uh, I, I forgot who, who sent it, but they're like, Oh, uh, we know a little bit about ICP too. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I jumped up from the computer and I was like, I went and told my wife, I was like, they know the clowns. They know the clowns. Oh my, you know, they, they're, they're down, you know? And I was just like, that, that blew my mind. What, what of insane clown posse? That so I had that great Malinko songs. I don't know. I just got to ask. It's a great album, man. I mean, when we were in high school, we were bumping the hell out of that album. Like it was so, that's such a great album. It really is. I mean, those guys really hit a chord with that thing. And especially, I mean, this is 20 years ago now, but when we were in high school, man, I mean, you know, we still touch back to we still touch back to that music here and there, um, and you know, with twenty years, obviously, there's there's more in between that you pick up on the way. But but yeah, man, there's a there's a soft spot in our heart for that for that album, especially. Yeah, like I said, I like I blew my wife's ear off because I was like, "That's what," and she was like, "Calm down, calm down." <laughs> Wait, so but I I have to say I haven't dipped back in since that record. What are some other highlights I should check out? Like, what have they made recently? Oh, my goodness. Uh, next year is going to be 30 years, and they're still in the game. Um, they're dropping a new album next year in March. Uh, there's just so much. Like, just look on their Spotify. They're 30-year career, uh, and they're still killing it. They're, they're actually, you know, it, it's crazy, and they're still putting out music. Uh, they're still doing concerts. They're doing... Uh, Patreon specials. Uh, they had a cook off. Like it's just crazy. Like they they just don't stop working, and that's just some workhorses still in the game. Dude, I, I honestly, I, I I like their work ethic, and you know, look, man, like people disparage them at times, you know. But like honestly, like they make kick ass music, and I really enjoyed that record a lot at the time. And I I don't know, like that they have the tenacity to just keep going and making making music and making fans despite what some of the cynics out there might think. Like good. Forget those people, man. They have a passion and they're good at it. Like they just keep on rolling, you know? Uh, I mean, that's pretty yeah. our philosophy as well, right? It's like it's like you lean into all the positives because you can't get too caught up in the negative bullshit because it's just bullshit, you know. The next project I saw I, I saw you uh, post on Facebook the other day. Uh, you, you got a series picked up from Hulu? What's the going on yeah. with that? Yeah, we so one of our longtime collaborator colla, collaborators collaborators, <laughs> uh, James Lafferty, um, came to us after Small Town Crime, and he just said, "Hey, would you guys help me produce this?" And it was a series that he had an idea for. And James, if you don't know, had like a a decade long series called One Tree Hill. Um, and after that, I mean, he we we had done three films with him. Uh, love the guy. Uh, again, has a great work ethic, is a great guy, is a great writer. And that's how we first met him is we were just exchanging scripts because we shared a manager and uh, we were admiring each other's writing. And then we thought, you know, 
I think he'd be really good in this movie we were writing, Lost on Purpose, one of our first films. And uh, we just, we started talking to him about it and he's from a small town as well. And there was just a lot of overlap. And he was like, yeah, man, he read it. He's like, yeah, man, I'm in. Like, I love this. Um, and, and from there, we've just been working with the guy ever since. So after we did Small Town Crime, he was like, hey, like, you know, you guys know how to get something done from the ground up. Um, he's like, like, I really want to do this, but I really want to have control of it. I really want to make it my show. Um, and it, look, if you go to a, if you go to a, <clears throat> if you go to a network, there's pluses and minuses to it, you know, or if you go to a cable network, there's, there's pluses and minuses to it because you lose a little bit of your, of your authorship because there's such a bureaucracy that really kind of is, is engaged there to sort of try to guide you into their lane of what they want you to put out because that's what they need to put out. And that's what they think their audiences want. But he was after something that was very meta and very much an art piece, but also very entertaining about him and his life after that show one tree hill and he was just talking about how you know after one tree hill he had a hard time getting other jobs at times uh because it was kind of a very poppy teenage driven show um great show but it, it also had a it gave him a little bit of a stigma and he was just like I, he's like he's like i want to talk about this and i want to i want to you know i want to do a whole show about it and it was just he picked these two characters obviously very heightened he takes these two characters in a very grounded way who had been on a vampire teen vampire show, which is obviously, you know, sort of a metaphor for his show and, and the troubles they were having and the, the life and love and hate and, and, and all the, all the uh, in-betweens. Um, and that's what it's about. It's about these two guys, you know, sort of arrested development. You know, they got on a show early in their late teens um, and are trying to still figure it out in their early 30s now that they're out of the show and don't quite know what to do with themselves and are going broke. Uh, it's pretty great. So um, that show, we helped them We helped them put eight episodes together. And then we went and shopped it around. And Hulu, uh, you know, there was a, a couple a couple places vying for it. And Hulu Hulu stepped up and stepped in and picked it up. And, and man, we're, we're super excited because we couldn't think of a better partner. They really get the show and are, and are excited about it. Is there any advice you can give to future film filmmakers, writers, like saying like, "Hey, it's a long road, but if you stick to it, you know, you can do it." Look, I think you you absolutely nailed it right there. I would I would say never get hung up on your on the detractors, on the negativity. Always stay focused on the positive. And I would say also, this is our number one thing. Ian, I was like, just keep making stuff. Like, don't worry, just keep making stuff. Like, yes, maybe the first couple things you make aren't you know aren't going to win the Oscars or aren't going to, you know, win, win those golden records. But, uh, be, you know, if you keep at it long enough and you keep your, your, your nose to the grindstone, you'll get where you want to go. There's always truth in truth. Right. And there's always, there's always something to that. Like if you, if you're making it from the heart, if whatever you're making is from the heart, whether it's dark or a horror film or something that pulls at the heartstrings, like if it's from your heart and it's from your mind and you really love it, it's part of your soul. Like, like it's, 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 it may not be, especially your first couple, they may not even meet up to your standards of like what you were hoping to do with them. But if you do the best that you can do and you put 110% into it and make it the best that it can be, which is what we tried to do every time we went out, whether our first film Squirrel Trap had a $1,500 budget, $1,500 for a complete feature film. And that was kind of a big part of of, of our film school is learning how to do every job and learning how to do post all by ourselves. So that when we got into a situation where someone else who was more skilled than us was doing post, we actually had an opinion on how we wanted it done. 
Um, and it, it, and that's what you end up doing. You make these things at a small level at the beginning and you learn at least an idea of every one of those jobs because you have to do them. You don't, you can't hire anybody else to do them and you're the one that's passionate about it. So you end up doing it and it takes longer and, and you can get it done for less money and it takes longer, but you learn a ton. And then from that movie, we got another movie. And from that mo next movie, we got another movie. And you just kind of start slowly building your way up. This is how it works for us. Some people rock it right to the top and are talented enough to do it right off the bat and run into the right people. Uh, for us, it was a slog, man. It was baby steps. It was one ladder rung at a time. And we wrote Fat Man early, and it was a fight to get back up to it. We made Squirrel Trap, Night of the Dog, Lost on Purpose, Waffle Street, Small Town Crime, and then... Fat Man, and Fat Man was one of the first scripts we ever wrote. Um, and, I, and I also think it's important to say, like, you know, Ian and I have been doing this for almost two decades now, and uh, for many, many, many years, uh, we had to have another job, many, many years, uh, to, to supplement our income so that we could keep going. Um, so it's just, it's, you, you just got to do it by any means possible and do what you can with what you have. And pretty soon, that that dream starts to become a reality and it's, and it, it, it creeps up on you and, and you're always kind of, I mean, look, if you're, if you're a grinder, if you're a, if you're the type of person that just keeps working and has that work ethic, like it, it, it doesn't ever quite ever seem to be enough. And that's something you have to kind of start dealing with as well. You kind of start looking at where you're at at a certain point and like, look, I mean, we're, we're, we're shooting for Mars here. You know, like with some of the things that we have in, in our, in our, oh, this is what we want. Our ambition is very, is very high. But you also look back at, at where you were 10 years ago and where you're at now. And you got to, you got to say, okay, look, like we're making the right steps. We're doing the right thing. And we got to keep doing that because that's what got us here. There's plenty of steps along the way where we stopped doing something like making films. We, we, there was one point where we just wrote for like three years. And, and we'd picked up all this management and these agents that told us, hey, you know, stop making those little tiny films. And like, we're going to get you a five to $10 million film next, uh, write something that fits that. And we did. And then it, for three years, we took every meeting in town, which was great. And we met a lot of people uh, and we became better writers because we were writing, but we weren't making anything. So our careers weren't really moving forward. So when we say make something, it's literally from experience. It's okay to write those five to 10 to 20 to $100 million films that you dream of making or that you're going to get to making. But the most important thing is that you're making stuff and because that's what really gets you out there. And that's what really inspires people to want to work with you. If they can look at your work and they can see it, even if it's a $1,500 film, that may not inspire Brad Pitt to come and want to work with you, but it might inspire it might inspire a great character actor that uh, that you're now doing a fifty thousand dollar film with next, or a hundred thousand dollar film with next, and those are the types of steps you need to you need to think about and like aggressively move toward as you're aiming towards those hundred million dollar movies. Yeah, I think I think the last part is just to treat people how you want to be treated. That's that's so critical, and like no, you know, don't ever, you know, just 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 go forth with that. Be good to people, and that will come back around. Because there will be people that you work with that you just want to slam their head into a door, but like that—that's—it's not that they're trying to be a pain in the ass. It's literally they're trying to do the best that they can do, and you sort of have to step back at times and be like, okay, is this person trying to be a blockade to me, or are they trying to help me, but are just misguided or don't understand me or don't understand what my goal is? So, or or they're just, or you know what I mean? Like you sort of need to step step back and be empathetic at times try to understand what you're up against or what you're dealing with because a lot of times when you put yourself in their shoes you're going to start seeing oh they're just trying to help okay i see 
this is how you can help me better. You know, I'd like to give the the guest um, the open floor for whatever you would like to plug, whatever you want to plug, you, you know, shouts, everything like that. Uh, the floor is yours. Well, look, I'd just like to give a shout out to you, Kyle. And thank you so much for having us here on C plus today, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It was fun to watch your review. Um, you were fucking pumped, <laughs> which is, dude, I mean, we make these things to connect with people, man. And it was so fun to see your reaction to it. I think you had just come out of a theater or, and man, you were, you were like, you were diving in. You're just like, man, this got me pumped. Like, I really love this. And, and that's honestly, we couldn't be more grateful uh, for your reaction and your excitement and for you to have us on here. Because uh, as I said, we make these things to connect with people and it, it's, it's fun to connect with you, man. Awesome. We're glad you, it resonated for you, brother. Yeah, and that review is up right now, and I, like I said, it was, it was just one of those things. I, I'm very passionate about a lot of things, and when something can move me that way, and your your film did that. And um, so before we get out, we have a motto over here at C Plus Studios. We live by this motto, and we have the guests help us say it too before we leave. Um, we say, when I say when in doubt, we'll all say it together. Fuck yo couch. All right, y'all. Well, we're out of here. Thank you guys again for being on. And when in doubt, fuck, uh, fuck oh. yo couch. <laughs> <laughs>